What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. A restaurant at the end of the universe, chapter 18. The main reception foyer was almost empty, but full nevertheless waved his wave through it. Zufold grasped him firmly by the arm and moved him into a cubicle, standing to one side of the entrance hall. What are you doing to him? asked Arthur. Serve him up, said Zufold. Twist a coin in a slot. Lights flashed, flashes swelled. Hi, said Ford, stepping out for about a moment later. Where, to, where are we going? Down the parking lot. Come on. What about the personnel? Time pamphlets, said Ford. Get us straight back to the heart of gold. Yeah, but I called on that ship. Superpod can have it. I don't want to play his game. Let's see what we can find. A serious cybernetic corporation, happy vertical people, transporter, took them down deep into the subterranean beneath the restaurant. They were glad to see if they had been vandalized and didn't try to make them happy. As well, as well, take them down. At the bottom of the shaft, the elevator doors opened and blast of cold, stale air hit them. First thing they saw on leaving the elevator was a long, concrete wall. Over 50 doors in offering laboratory facilities for all 50 major life forms. Nevertheless, like every parking lot in the galaxy, throughout the entire history of parking lots, these parking lots smelt primarily of impatience. It turned around the corner and found itself in a moving catwalk. It traversed a long, cavernous space, stretched off into a dim dis- distance. Divided into two into bays, each of them contained a spaceship, belonging to one of the diners upstairs. Some smallish and neutronium, most mass production models, others yet are slimy, shining limited ships and playthings of the very rich. Zephyr's eyes sparkled with something that may or may not have been avarice, as he passed over them. In fact, his best was clear on his point. Clear on his place, avarice is definitely what it was. There he is, said Trillian. Marvin's down there. They looked where she was pointing. Dimly, they could see a small metal figure. Mistily, rubbing a small rag on one remote corner of a giant silver scrum cruiser. 
The sort of hills along the roving catwalk were valued of transport. Tunes let down to level floor level. Ziffer stepped off the catwalk to my lows and floated gently downward. The others followed. Thinking back to this later, Arthur Dent thought it was a single most enjoyable experience of his travels in the galaxy. Hey, Marvin, said Viverpoid, striding over towards him. Hey, kid, are you pleased to see you? Are we pleased to see you? Marvin turned in so far as possible for a totally inert metal face to look reproachful. This is what he, what he did. No, you're not, he said. No one ever is. Sweet yourself, said Viverpoid. Turned away to Oogle, the ships. Ford went with him. Only Trillian Arthur actually went up to Marvin. Not really, we are. No, really, we are, said Trillian. Patted him in a way that he disliked intensely. Hanging around, waiting for us all this time. 576,000 million, 3,579 years, said Trillian. Marvin, I counted them. Well, here we are now, said Trillian, feeling quite correctly. In Vavinju, v- what this was a slightly foolish thing to say. First ten million years was the worst, said Bobbin. And the second ten million years, it was the worst too. The third ten million, I didn't enjoy it all. Oh, that went into a bit of decline. He paused just long enough to make them feel they ought to say something, and then they interrupted. It's the people you meet in this job, they really get you down, he said. He paused again, trillion cleared her throat. Is that the best conversation I ever had have had for over forty million years? Continued Marvin. Again, the pause. Oh, and that was with the coffee machine. He waited. That's uh, you don't like talking to me, do you? Said Marvin, a low, desolate tone. Trillian talked to Arthur instead. Further down the chamber, Arthur, full prefect found something of the which he much liked the look. Several such things, in fact. Superbird, he said in a quiet voice. Just look at those little star trolleys. Superbird looked and liked. The craft were very, were right looking. They were very, in fact, pretty small, but extraordinary. Very much rich kid's toy. Not much to look at. And nothing so much as a paper dart. With 20 feet long, made of thin but tough, Metal foil. Yeah, and it was a small horizontal two-man cockpit. A tiny charm-drived engine, which is not capable of moving at any great speed. Things that did have, the thing it did, however, was a heat seek. Heat seek was a mass of those of some two hundred thousand billion tons was contained within a black hole, mounted electromagnetic field, situated halfway along the length of the ship. This heat seek enabled the craft to manoeuvre with a few miles of a yellow sun, there to catch the slide, the solar flares that burst out from the surface. Flare riding is one of the most exotic and thrilling sports existence. Those who can dare and fall to do it among the most lionized men in the galaxy. It's also, of course, significantly dangerous. Those who don't die dying inevitably Die of the sexual exhaustion at one of the decorous cubs at his fair parties. So, Floyd and Superfoot looked and passed on. And this baby, said Ford, a tangerine star buggy with a black sunburst. Long again, the starburst buggy was a small ship. 
totally misnamed one in the fact. Because of only one thing he didn't manage was in certain distances. Basically, it was a sporty planet hopper, doled up to look like something it wasn't. Nice lines, though. They passed on. Next one was a big one, 30 yards long. There was a coach limousine, obviously designed with one aim in mind, that of making the Burry Holder sick with envy. Payroll and accessory departments clearly said, not only am I rich enough to afford this ship, I'm also rich enough not to take it seriously. It's wonderfully hideous. Just look at it, said Zoe Floyd. Mounted cluster, crack drive, perplexed, running boards, go. Got to be Lexigo, Lexigan, customer job. He's having every inch, yes, he said. Look, the interpink lizards, Emlyn and Nitro Crowley, Lizard's trademark. Man has no shame. I passed on by one of those mothers once. By the Axel Nibbler said Ford. I was going flat out on this thing, just strolled past me, star drive, hardly ticking over, just incredible, said Ford whispered appreciably. Ten seconds later, said Ford, fell straight into the third moon at Jetabeta. Yeah, right. Amazing looking ship, though. Looks like a fish moves like a fish, steered like a cow. Ford looked round at the other side. Hey, come see, he said, called out. This one's there's a big mural paint on this one side. Bursting sun. Disaster area's trademark. This must be the hot black ship. Lucky old bugger. They do this terrible song, you know, which ends up with stunt ship crashing into the sun. Might be an amazing spectacle. Expensive st- in stunt ships, though. See if his attention was elsewhere. Attention's riveted to one of the ship. Then next to hot blacks, there's over his limo. His mouth. Hung open. That, he said, is really bad for the eyes. Ford looked. He too stood astonished. It's a, it's a ship. Classic, simple design. It's flattened salmon. Like a flattened salmon, 20 yards long. Very clean, very sleek. There's just one remarkable thing about it. It's so black, said Ford Prefect. You can hardly make out its shape. Light must seem to fall into it. So he thought he said nothing. He's simply full in love. A blackness so extreme it was almost possible to tell how close you were standing to it. Your eyes slide off it. So forward in wonder. It was an emotional moment. He hits it, bit his lip. So he thought he moved forward to it. Slowly, like a man possessed, or more actually, like a man who wanted to possess. His hand reached out to stroke it. His hand stopped. His hand reached out to stroke again. His hand stopped again. Come and feel this surface, he said. A hushed voice. Pearl put his hand on to feel it. Feel it. His hand stopped. You, you can't. He said. See, he says, afraid. It's totally frictionless. It must be our mother, our mother mover. He turned to look at Fold seriously. At least one of his heads did. The other stayed gazing at all the ship. What do you reckon, Fold? He said. You mean, uh? Fold looked for over his shoulder. You mean stroll off with it? You think we should? No, not I. But we're going to, aren't we? How could we not? I gazed a little longer till Zerfoid suddenly pulled himself together. We'd better shift soon. He said, in a moment, so the universe will have ended and that all the crept in keeps will be popping down here to find their duplicable mobile Zerfoid, said Ford. Yeah? How do we do it? Simple, said Zerfoid, Superpod. He turned, Marvin, he called, surly, surly, majorously, with moonlight clanking and creaking noises. 
We learned to simulate. Martin learned around to answer summons. Come over here, said Superfoot. We've got a job for you. Marvin trudged towards them. I don't want to enjoy it, he said. It's a bill for you, Superfoot. There's a whole new life stretching out ahead of you. Oh, not another one, groans at Marvin. Will you shut up and listen, his Superfoot? This time you're going to be excited excitement and adventure and really wild things. Sounds awful, said Marvin said. Marvin, all I'm asking trying to ask you, I suppose you want me to open this spaceship for you. What? Uh yes, what that's right, said Superfoot jumbly. He was keeping at least three eyes on the entrance. Time is short. Well, I wish I could just tell me rather than trying to engage my physicism, says Marvin, because I got I've got one. He walked on the up the ship, touched it, actually swung open. Foyle and Seafood stared at the opening. Don't mention it, said Marvin. Oh, he didn't. He tried to ring again, but I have a firm trillion clustered around. What's that mean, said Arthur? Look at this, said Ford. Look at the interior of the ship. Weird on weirder, breathed Silverfoot. Black, said Ford. Everything in it is just totally black. It rushed up things with fast approaching, a moment after which there wouldn't be any more moments. All eyes are fixed on the dome, other than those of hot black desired bodyguard, which were looking intently on black hot black desire and those those hot black desire himself, which the bodyguard had closed out of respect. Bodyguard leaned forward over the table. Had Hedrick Desaro been alive, he probably would have deemed this a good moment to lean back or even go for a short walk his bodyguard was not a man improved with proximity. On account of his unfortunate condition, However, hot black with Bizarro remained totally inert. Mr. Dora, sir, whispered the bodyguard, wherever he spoke. It looked like at the muscles on either side of his mouth were clamouring with each other to get out of the way. Mr. Rosa, can you hear me? Hot black to Rosa, quite naturally, said nothing. Hot black, hissed the bodyguard. Again, quite naturally, hot black to Rosa did not apply so supernaturally how he did. On the table in front of him, a wine glass rattled and the fork rose an inch or so and toppled against the glass. It settled on the table again. Bodyguard gave a satisfied grunt. It's time we're going, Mr. Dorozo, muttered Bodyguard. Don't want to ca- get cold in the rush, not in the air condition. You want to get to the next gig, rise and relax. There was really a big audience for it. One of the best curves could spoon 565,002 million years ago. Had you, had you, had you will, had you will been looking forward to it? The folk rose again, wagged, pulled, wagged in a long committal sort of way, dropped again. Oh, come on, said the bodyguard. So it's going to be great. It's been great. You're not to mount cold, the bodyguard would have been given Dr. Ben Street Monument mentioned apologetic, apoplectic shot attack. Black ships going into the sun always gets them. The new one's a beauty. Be real sorry to see it go. We got to go. We'll get on if we go get on down there. I set the black sheep autopilot. Fire ship autopilot. We'll cruise off in a limo. Okay, a trap fault trapped is once tapped in once an agreement. A glass of wine mysteriously emptied itself. The bodyguard wheeled back, but this a chair out to the restaurant. Now, now, cried Max from the centre of the stage. A moment you've been waiting for. He flung his arms into the air. Behind him, the band, going to frenzy of percussion, rolling super chords, 
Max had argued with him about this, but he claimed it was their contact, and that's what they would do. His agent would have had to sort it out. The sky began to boil, he cried. The universe collapses in the screaming void. Twenty seconds time, the universe itself will be aliened. See when a light infinity bursts upon us. The radius furry of destruction blazes about them. And all that moment a still small trumpet sounded out as from an infinite distance Max eyes swirled round at the glare of the, uh, the band. None of them seemed to be playing a trumpet. Simply a wisp of smoke was swirling, streaming on the stage next to him. A trumpet joined by more trumpets. Over five hundred times Max had done this show, and nothing like this had ever happened before. He drew back his alarm, alarm from the swirling smoke, and he saw his figure slowly materialized inside. The figure of an ancient man, beard, robed, and wreathed in light. His eyes were stars, and his brow was golden crown. What's this? whispered Max. Wide-eyed, what's happening? At the back of the restaurant, the stony party the church's second coming, the great prophet Zilogon, leaped professorly to their feet, chanting and crying. Max blinked in amazement. He threw out his arms at the audience. A big hand, please, ladies and gentlemen, he hollered. For the great prophet Zilogon, he has come. Zilogon has come again. For under his applause broke out as Max strode across the stage, handing his microphone to the prophet. So cool coughed, he peered around at the assembled gathering. The stars in his eyes twinkled in his easily. He lived in the middle of a round of confusion. Uh huh, he said. Uh, hello. Uh, look, I'm sorry, I'm a bit late. I had a most ghastly time. All sort of things coughing up last moment. He seemed nervous of the spectre, the awed hush. He cleared his throat. Uh, how are we for time, he said. Have I got a min? And so the universe ended. Chapter 19. One of the major selling points of the whole reliable travel book, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, apart from its relative cheapness, the fact that the words don't panic written in large friendly letters on its cover, is complimentous, occasionally accurate glossary. Aesthetics it's relating to geo social nature, universal instance, are definitely set out between pages nine hundred and thirty one thousand three hundred and twenty four one hundred and thirty eight thousand three hundred and twenty six and the sympathetic style which are written is partly explained by the fact the editors having to meet a publishing deadline Copied the information off the back of a packet of breakfast seal, hastily embroidering it, embroidering it with a few footnotes. Under order to avoid persecution under parental torturous collective copyright rights. It's an interesting note that later, the while of ended at a, sent the book backwards in time for the temporal warp, and then says he sued the breakfast seal company for infringement of the same laws. This is a, here is a sample universe of new information to help you live in it. Time is infinite. The Dentrucker's Guide to the Galaxy offers a definition, definition of the word infinite. Infinite bigger than the biggest ever, and then such much bigger than, in fact, the ma- really amazing immerse, immense, immense, tiny, stunning size, real. Wow, that's big. Time infinity is just so, so big. It's by comparison. Bigness itself looks Really titchy. Gigantic multiplied by glucose or multiplied but staggering huge. So the concept we're trying to get across here. 
It imports none. It's possible to import things into an infinite area. There being no outside to import things in from. It exports none. All see imports. Population none. It's known there are an infinite number of worlds simply because there is an infinite number of space for them to be in. However, not even, not everyone who is inhabited. Therefore, there must be an infinite number. So inhabited any infinite number divided by infinity. If there is nothing, so it makes the odds. The average population of all planets. The universe is said to be, to be zero. But this fellow, well, the population of the whole universe is also zero. And any people that may meet from time to time are many products of the range of imagination. Monitoring units, none. In fact, a free, freely convertible currencies of the galaxy, where none of them count. The Aquilian dollar was recently collapsed. The Ferrillian bubble beard bead, the only exchangeable and other Ferrillian bubble be, beads, and triarchic poo, which is very special problems. Exchange rate is eight liquids to one pews is simply enough to put enough, but it's since the Nugu is a triangle of rubber six, carrying 6,008 million miles long each side, no one can ever collect enough to get one, even to own one view. Nigerous? No, correct, no, no, nigerous. I don't, it's no scope of currency because the collector banks refuse to deal with filling small change. From this basic premise, it's very simple to prove that the good of banks are also the product of the range of imagination. Art none, the function of art is told the mirror. Up to nature, there is simply isn't a well big enough. See point one. Sex numb. Well, in fact, there is an awful lot of this, largely because of the total lack of money, trade, banks, art, or anything else that might keep all the non-existent people the universe have occupied. There is not worth embarking on a long discussion of it now because it really is a terrible complicated. For further information, see Guide Chapters 7, 1, 10, 11, 14, 16, 19, 17, 19, 21 to 24, inclusive, in fact, most of the rest of the guide. Chapter 20. The restaurant continued existing, but everything else had stopped. Temple realities held it and protected it from nothingness. It wasn't merely a vacuum. It's simply nothing. There was nothing in which there was a vacuum should should be said to exist. The false field dome had once again been rendered oblique. The party was over. Diners were leaving. Zergacool had vanished along with the rest of the universe. Time two boom turbines were preparing to pull the restaurant back together against the pink of time in readiness for the lunch sitting. Max Chris caught a pen with back in his small curtain dressing room, trying to raise his agent to to temper phone. In the parking lot stood the black ship, closed and silent. Inside the parking lot came the late Mr Hot Black Desire, propelled along the moving cat by his bodyguard. Sending one of the tubes. As he approached the limousine ship in the hatchway, he swung down beside and gazed the wheels. A wheelchair drew it inside, 
bodyguard followed in having seen his body bus safely connected up to his death support system, moved up to a small cockpit. Here he operated his remote control, remote control system, which activated the older pilot to the black sheep laying next to the limo, thus causing great relief to zoom-forward beatbox. Been trying to start the thing for almost over ten minutes. The black ship goes smoothly forward, and it's being turned and moved towards the central causeway swiftly and quickly. At the end of it, it accelerated rapidly, flung itself to temporal launch chamber, again a long journey back into the distant past. Hitchman Miller's lunch menu quotes, by permission, a passage from the Hitchcock's Guide of the Galaxy. Passage is this: Hitty. In a very major galactic civilization, tends to pass through three distinct recognizable phases. Those of survival, inquiry, and sophistication, always known as how, why, and where phases. For instance, the first phase is characterized by the question, how can we eat? Second by the question, why do we eat? Third by the question, where shall we have lunch? A menu? Goes on to support the minimums that Aristotle at the end of the universe would be very agreeable to a cipher in answer to the first question, the third question. The third question, what it does go, what it does go, doesn't go on to say is that though it did, you take a large civilization, thousands of years to pass the how and why in the way stages, small social groupings and stressful conditions may pass through in extreme rapidity. How, how are we doing? said Arthur Dent. Badly, said Full Prefect. Where are we going? said Trillian. I don't know, said Zufo Beatbox. Why not? demanded Arthur Dent. Shout suggested Zufo Beatbox and Full Prefect. Bessie, what are you trying to say? said Arthur Dent, annoying his suggestion. And we were not out of control. Ship was rocking and swaying and sickling. As Paul Observer tried to wrest control from the song pilot, Indians howled and whined like a tired child in the supermarket. It's a royal colour scheme that freaks me, said Zerfred. As love affair this ship had lasted almost three minutes to the flight. Every time you go to operate one of those weird black controls, they labelled in black and black with black ground, a little black tight lights are black. To let you know you're done, they're done. What is this? Some kind of galactic cyber first? Walls of swaying cabinet also black. The ceiling is black. The seats, which only since only for the trip this ship was designed to do, was supposed to be unmanned, were black. The control panel was black. The instruments were black. The whole, the screws that held them in place were black. The thin, tough, nylon floor was covering black. They also had lifted, when they had lifted up a corner, as if they discovered what the phone only itself also was black. Perhaps whoever designed it had eyes that responded to different wavelengths of a trillion. Oh, didn't have much of an imagination, muttered Arthur. Perhaps, said Marvin, we were feeling very depressed, in fact. For they want to know, the decoy had been chosen on its owner, sad, lamented, attacks, disruptible condition. The ship gave you a particularly sickening lurch. Take it easy, pleaded an Arthur. They can be space sick, time sick, said Ford. I'll plumb you back through, backward through time. Thank you, said Arthur. Now I really think I'm going to be, be ill. Go ahead, said Fibberpod. We do have a little colour about the place. It's meant to be a polite after dinner conversation, is it? Snaps, snaps Arthur. 
Sifford left the controls to Foyer's figure out and lurched over to Arthur. Look, Earthman, he said wildly, you've got a job to do, right? A question to the ultimate answer, right? What's that? What? That thing? said Arthur. I thought we forgot about that. Not me, baby. Like the mice said, it's worth a lot of money in the right quarters. It is all locked up in that head of yours. Yes, but nothing. Think about it. The meaning of life. We've got fingers on. We can hold every shrink in the galaxy up for for ransom. That's worth a bond. Why? Oh, I owe a mint. Mind a mint. Arthur took a deep breath without much of his. All right, he said. But where do we start? How should I know I'm what to say to answer? And the answer is whatever. It's 42. How come I am supposed to know what the question, what the question is? It could be anything. I mean, what is six times seven? So if I looked at him half a moment, then his eyes blazed with excitement. 42, he cried. Arthur wiped his palm across his forehead. Yes, he said patiently. I know that. Zephyr's face is fell. Just saying the question could be anything at all, said Arthur. I don't see how I'm meant to know. Because Zephyr, you were there when your planet did the big firework. We have a thing on it. We have a thing on Earth, began Arthur. Had corrected Zephyr. Called Tack. Never mind, look. I just don't know. A low voice echoed dully around the cabin. I know, said Marvin. Marl called us from controls. He was still fighting and losing battle with. Stay here, and this Marvin, he said. This organisms, this is all organism talk. It's printed in the Earthman's brief, he said, Matt Patterson's in Marvin. You don't, I don't suppose you'd be very interested in knowing that. You mean, said Arthur? You mean you can see it on my mind? Yes, said Marvin. Arthur stared in punishment, and, he said, it amazes me how you can manage to live in anything that's small. Oh, Arthur said it. Abuse. Yes, confined Marvin. Oh, no, I am, said Arthur. Is he making it up? Making it up, said Marvin. Filling his head and his parody of astonishment. Why should I want to make this up? Anything up? That's bad enough as about wanting to make event any more of it. Marvin, said Trillian, and told Trey kindly voice. I wish she was capable of assuming and talking to this most scotland creature. If you knew along, why did you not tell us? Marvin's head swiveled back to her. You didn't ask, he said simply. Well, we're asking now, little man, said Ford, turning around to look at him. At that moment, ships suddenly stopped rocking and swaying. The engine pitch settled down to a terrible hum. Hey, Ford, said Superfoot, that sounds that good. Have you worked out the controls on that ship boat, on this boat? No, said Ford, but I'm just fitting with them. I reckon we just go... Wherever this ship was going, and get off it fast. You're right, said Philpod. I could tell you you weren't really interested. Bowman, Bowman, himself, dumped back in the corner and switched yourself off. Tell me, said Ford, that one instrument in this whole ship that's lit, giving any reading is worrying me. If you think, if that's what I think it is, and if it's saying what I think it is saying, they've already gone back too far into the past. Maybe as much as two million years before our own time. So I struggled. Time is a blank, he said. I wonder whose this ship belongs to anyway, said Arthur. Me, said Vopod. No, who really belongs to? Really me, said Vopod. Look, property is theft, right? Therefore, this theft is property. Therefore, the ship is mine, okay? Tell the ship, tell the ship that, said Arthur. So Vopod strolled over to the console. Ship, 
he said, banging on the panel. This is only Rona speaking to you. Speaking to, you could got no further. Several things happened at once. Ship dropped out of time travel mode and we emerged in a real space. All controls of the console, which had been shut down for the time. Trip now lit up. Large vision screen above the console winked in life, revealing a true wide, wide skyscrape. A single, very large sun dead ahead of them. None of these things, however, were responsible for the fact. Silverpod was at the same moment hurried bodily backwards against the rear of the cabin, as all well, all the others were held back by a single tremendous clap of noise that thundered out the monitor speakers surrounding the vision screen.